Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Roundup on this, a Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, folks. Do you know that today is National Seatbelt Day? And my co-host is so safety conscious she actually wears her seatbelt when the car is parked. She is the she-devil uh, with a spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Colberg area. She is the lovely and talented Tamara Ugolini. How you doing there, Tamara? It's so great, David. Very, I just, your enthusiasm, just always, it could cheer up anyone on the darkest of days. Oh, wow. But when you bring up the seatbelt thing, yeah. it reminds me, you know, wearing your seatbelt when you're parked is one thing. Um, but the people who wear their masks alone in their cars, that's what that really, it really reminds me of someone who would do that, which I do not. And, <laughs> but I am a stickler for a seatbelt, especially car seats. Um, my kids are... Well, you know what? Constantly I mean, complaining. isn't that amazing now that you bring it up that even now as we head into 2024, that not a day goes by. It's not a lot, but not a day goes by on my commute, Tamara, where I don't see somebody alone in their vehicle, windows rolled up, and they're wearing the face diaper. I mean, what is this? Yeah. I mean, like to me, again, you know, we've talked about this. I don't think it's about a virus anymore. I think it's a political statement. Mm -hmm. I think you're mm -hmm. saying to people, look at me. I believe in big government, big lockdowns, being told what to do, yep. uh, being told to stay at home and obliging. Because at this stage, you're wearing a, a, a face diaper. Mm -hmm. uh, it does not compute. And it's probably the people who have received their most the, the most boosters. I think you're on number eight at this point. But Is we'll get eight? to... Is it really? It, it, I'm not, yeah. I'm not joking. It, you can have received up to eight novel boosters in an almost three-year time span, and you still have to resort to wearing a mask. And we'll get to that later because we have some new uh, mask rules coming back in Ontario. Oh, no. Surprise, surprise, right? By the way, but about that number, uh, to quote a title of a 1970s sitcom, eight is enough. Actually, it's more than enough. <laughs> If you made it that that far, I guess. Um, but first, we have some... Well, I guess we should tell people what we're doing because That's we're just getting idea. ahead of ourselves here. Um, so if you're joining us, of course, this is our daily live stream where we dissect and share and provide commentary on the newsiest news items of the day. Um, so every day from... Well, every weekday from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern, um, two Rebel co-hosts and hosts join you to live stream on various platforms. So we are on Rumble, Getter, Odyssey, Twitter, and the censorious one known as YouTube, um, which I'm hoping all of our topics will be what we call YouTube safe, uh, but we'll see how much we want to get into the COVID nitty gritty at the end, um, at which case I would try to gently nudge you in, you know, as the Public Health Agency of Canada has done to most of its citizens through behavioral science, nudge you over to Rumble, which has not demonetized us like YouTube did. Uh, where you can give us what's called a rumble rant. And so through or by way of a small monetary donation, you can chip in to help support our independent journalism and also get your comment read live on air by us where we can provide some commentary or perhaps you have a tip for us or, you know, just have your voice heard. Um, it's a great way for us to 
kind of get a feel for who's out there, who's watching us on the live stream and some of your takes. So I would uh, say that's a great way to, again, support us through a little small monetary donation. But also if we get into some of the COVID nitty gritty stuff, you will only be able to able to find us on those other platforms. We'll cut our YouTube stream and we'll just stick to the platforms that seem to uphold free expression and free speech. And what a concept. with that, yeah. yeah, who would have thought 2023, here we are in uh, <laughs> unprecedented censorship and our government, you know, putting down the hammer of trying to relegate and delegate who is and isn't allowed to share information on the World Wide Web. And you know so something, Tamara, on that note, COVID, uh, thank God we came in contact with you. <laughs> prior well, to this uh, so-called pandemic, because uh, I don't think any journalist has done better work on this file than you. You, Thank you. Uh, I call you a COVID nerd. I mean that in terms of affection, because you take the trouble, unlike members of the mainstream media, to go through all the boring material and find the, the real whoppers in that material. And uh, so, wow, that was just such a, um, I don't know, a, a, a convenient uh, meeting that we had that we uh, met up with you probably about, what, 20 minutes before COVID began, but who knew? Now, uh, I'm looking at the topic list. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Um, this almost sounds, folks, like the preamble to a punchline of a joke. Um, Prime Minister Trudeau walks into a samosa factory <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, think of everything that we're enduring right now. Um, you know, the, the carbon tax, well, paid by most Canadians. There's some special Canadians in Atlantic Canada that get a discount. Uh, he could be in the House of Commons uh, at least announcing a pause of that. No, he could be opening up the energy sector to sell two-thirds of a trillion dollars worth of liquefied natural gas to Japan and Germany alone. Uh, no, there's no business case, says uh, he who uh, believes the budget will balance itself. Still don't know what he's talking about there. <laughs> so, uh, no, instead of doing that heavy lifting and uh, that would benefit Canadians, um, Blackface decides to walk into a samosa factory. Was he hungry? Why don't we just run a clip of this and try okay. to make sense of it all? Press one. Okay. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
You shouldn't be nervous. You just saw how terrible I am. <laughs> You're so much better than me. You know, again, this is why I love Tamara Ugolini, unlike the mainstream media at that photo op. Tamara was actually keeping count and matching her numbers with blackface's numbers. Guess what? Uh, they don't add up. Uh, you Unsurprising. Know, <laughs> you know, Tamara, I, I mean, I think that's a cringeworthy photo op. I, I think it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just isn't it so typical of the virtue signal, uh, signaling of this prime minister? All the hard work, all the heavy lifting has been done. They've stuffed those samosas. I don't know if it's with, if it's with chickpeas or spinach or cheese. They bake them. They're there. And, oh, I can just see the workers. Thank God Blackface is here to count them as he throws them into that bucket. And even that, he screws up. Uh, boy, is that emblematic of so much of what this prime minister is responsible for. Well, I think he just created more work for the workers because now they have to empty that box out and recount it because he was going three, 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 90, three, 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 100. And I'm going three, six, nine. That's one short of the 10 that you say that you're counting. Anyway, what a disaster. And um, also Canadians are struggling and we'll get into that a little bit later um, in the stream, but Canadians are struggling to purchase, to buy food, to keep food on the table. Uh, record inflation, food, cr food costs are just out of this world. And then you have Trudeau just willy nilly throwing some food into a box and saying, oh, call it a day. <laughs> um, I wonder if he got to keep any of that food and take it home for free. We know that his grocery budget far surpasses the oh, yeah. average Canadian's <laughs> income for one year. Yep. Um, and so it just again, it just further shows how out of touch the liberals are. And I think the reason maybe for his miscounting there, I mean, aside from budgets balancing themselves and the, those sorts of that sort of rhetoric that we hear from the Justin Trudeau liberals and his esteemed cabinet, I think he has a learning disability. I don't know if we can pull that clip up <laughs> where he says he admits that he has some sort of like mathematical learning disability. I don't know when that clip was from. And, and um, this is the guy saying the budget will balance itself. You know, well, as Olivia <laughs> looks for that clip, uh, you know, I'm not intimately knowledgeable of this particular photo op Tamara. Yeah, yesterday. My question, what was the point? Why is the prime minister in a samosa factory uh, <laughs> to begin with? I mean, like I said, it almost sounds like a lead up to a punchline here. Yeah. What was the deal? Well, I was kind of anticipating some sort of announcement yesterday when he <laughs> said that he would be doing a media pool at this um, unnamed grocery store, right? Because they don't tell you where he's going to be when they release his itinerary for the day. Despite, David, I think you've done reports on this. That's actually mandated that they have to. Yeah. But they don't. And of course, that's that's unsurprising given the uh, track record of the liberals with the, and this prime minister with the most ethics violations of any Canadian prime minister. Um, no, you're absolutely right. By the way, folks, uh, no word of a lie. Unless it's a private cabinet retreat, if there is a press conference happening, mm -hmm. they have to say the city, they have to say the time, and they have to say the venue. And right now, so that blackface isn't greeted by the regular F. Trudeau crew heckling him, 
They only say the city. Sometimes they might say the time, but they don't give the venue. Uh, I guess it must be done in private now to um, the train seals and the mainstream media, because right. how do they know where to go? That's right. It must be. And it, look, we have this clip here where Trudeau admits he has a learning disability. <laughs> this is the this is the person tasked with running our country. I have a little confession to make. I have a slight learning disability. <laughs> I am dysnumeric. What that means is I have an inability to handle small numbers and little calculations, those easy things that people do so well. 13 plus 14. Seven. Under pressure, it's even worse. So I mean, if I pick up numbers and try to do it, two plus three minus one times two minus four plus two. How many people followed that? He's dysdumeric. You heard it straight from the <laughs> horse's mouth. He has a slight learning disability. I like, you can't even I can't even say that with a straight face. That what is absurd. That shot, I think that it looks like he's quite young. So I think that was um, perhaps prior to his appointment or his election as prime minister. But I, I'm not totally certain. Um, but he does look about, what, seven years younger, I'd say. Yeah, last time I saw a shirt like that, disco was a big thing. So, uh, but that doesn't fit the chronology. He'd be a kid back then. Uh, but then again, Arrested Development. And by the way, I see this is very daunting. This is nothing at all to laugh at. Uh, Super producer Olivia has put on the screen a headline of the, uh, you know, speaking of samosas, when it comes to ca Canadians, or in this case, Torontonians, feeding themselves. Look at that. Tamara, yeah. one in 10 Torontonians rely on food banks, says frightening new daily bread report. You know, last month there was also the people that run the national food bread, um, uh, or sorry, food bank networks. And the most astonishing stat that came out of that for me, uh, Tamara Ugolini, was the fact that we go back to the year before COVID, 2019, we compared 2019 to 2023, mm -hmm. the food bank usage has gone up in Canada 78%, not 7.8%, folks, 78%. In other words, as the director mentioned, and this is scary to me, back in 2019, which was only four years ago, we had people donating food and money to the food banks, yeah. and those same people are now recipients that is just terrifying to me. It is. Well, and if you go a little bit deeper into this report from uh, the Toronto Star, it says here that what's not in their annual report and that truly scares the CEO of the Daily Bread Food Bank is that this is happening while unemployment is still relatively low. And so economists are saying, you know, unemployment is going to skyrocket. We're on the brink, if not already, in the beginnings of a recession. And so unemployment is going to only increase from this point out. And they're seeing these record numbers while unemployment is still relatively low. The other thing that they said... Um, three quarters, and this is, I think, the fourth paragraph down in that Toronto Star article. The reality is that rents have soared and so have living costs. Three quarters of food bank clients spend more than half of their income on housing alone. Mm -hmm. And 23% 
23% spend all of their income on housing. The average food bank user only has $6.67 a day left to spend after paying for rent and utilities. And, you know, Tamara, shocking. I, just on route to the uh, studio here today, I was listening to an analysis of this report, and especially with Toronto, where the cost of living is so high. Used to be if you had a family household of six figures, uh, you're okay. Yeah. No, there are six-figure salaried uh, households, uh, members of which are going to the food bank. Uh, as you mentioned, the mortgage. And, um, oh boy, does my heart break for anyone whose mortgage is coming up for renewal this year, next year. I, Perhaps, oh no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, uh, the cost of gasoline. Um, going to the super, you know, just the other day, and and this was at, I'll admit it, it was at no frills. It wasn't, you know, Pusa Terry's where you can pay 16 bucks for a loaf of bread. But um, I've got a, uh, I don't even use the buggy. I use the hand basket. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, that's about 50 or 60 bucks. $188 at yeah. the What? It's like, crazy. I would be the biggest failure on the prices right uh, if I got to addition because <laughs> uh, I have lost track. And at the same time, have you noticed this? Have you noticed the packaging getting oh, yeah. smaller? What was 750 yeah. grams is now 700 or 650 mm-hmm. grams. You know, for a uh, while now, it's been about a year that they've <laughs> slowly been dwindling. There's a name for it, and it, it's a shrinkflation. It's um, yeah, must, yeah, shrinkflation. Yeah, <laughs> but we which has nothing to do with a man going into a cold body of water. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I was trying to distract before Am you I went that there. <laughs> It's only been a couple of years getting to know David Menzies, folks. You can start to read into it. Look, folks, if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying, okay? I'm That's not right. making light of uh, what? There you go. Shrinkflation. It's a thing. Yeah. We, you read it here first. Investopedia, they're, they're coining the term. So it, there you have it. It's it, not about men getting into pools. And to bring it back to blackface at the Samosa factory, like I said, get into the House of Commons, cancel or put on hold the carbon tax. And by the way, it's not just what you are paying, folks, in carbon tax. It is about all of the costs associated with groceries, with gasoline, uh, you know, the, the, the big rigs bringing the merchandise to the store. This is a compounding um, pain. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It, it, you know, forget about the potion you have to pay. Uh, he will not do it. Yeah. You know, he is so committed to, I don't know, climate justice. By the way, what is the term? Is it climate emergency, climate crisis, climate catastrophe? Um, I know we're supposed to be boiling to alive right now or freezing yeah. to death. It never can get that straight. That's why it's <laughs> neither global warming or global cooling. It's climate change. It's fluid. Like, you know. The guy dressing up as a gal one day and then, I I don't know, identifying as a teenage boy the next day. Um, But why won't he do this, especially given that the clock is running to Mario Galini? And Abacus poll just came out yesterday indicating, I think it was over 200 seats for the Pierre Polyev conservatives and the liberals down to Mm -hmm. 69. So... If I'm, you know, and usually that's that's the way um, politicians operate, don't they? You yeah. say you you get you do the hard stuff at the beginning of your mandate, and then when it's near an election, you turn into Santa Claus. But he is so beholden to this woke crap, he won't give most Canadians 
a fair break. Well, and the Pierre Polyev conservatives are buckling down on their campaign to axe the tax. Yep. And so I think I just heard today that um, they're going to be going to senators and asking them to take rain, the reins here mm-hmm. and um, call for a complete axe of the carbon tax, not just for the eastern provinces, but for all Canadians, especially Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan, those provinces where heating is of vital importance to survive the winter. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, the proof is in the pudding pudding there from the Torontonians, record numbers at the food bank, $6.67 left per day for everything else after you pay your housing and your utilities. Um, that's astronomical and how people are getting by is only going to get worse as we get into the colder months, as the price of heating your home becomes insanely, insanely inflated. Well, Tamara, I'm certainly not for one holding my breath. The Senate is going to do anything about this. Yeah, they're mostly liberal appointed, aren't they? Well, and I mean, if there was one thing to take a stand on, it was the censorship bills. Right. And, uh... They kind of said, well, you know, blackface, we don't like it, but, you know, we're not going to cause you trouble. You seem to want this to go through, so let it go through. Again, it makes me question the very existence of the Senate or even Mm -hmm. why we don't have an elected uh, Senate for most of the country. Um, But that that is absolutely despicable. So, um, well, blackface isn't quite out of our uh, sight yet. We have a video here. Um, A lovely anti-Israel protester uh, confronts uh, blackface on Israel, says Hamas, well, they're not terrorists. Jeez, what are they? A motorcycle club or something? Let's check this out. <laughs> Israel, why are you supporting Israel? Don't push me. Hey, Don't push me. I'm standing. I'm standing. Why are you supporting Israel? Hey, relax. I'm, I'm talking to our prime minister. Don't, 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 don't breach my rights. Why do you say Hamas is a terrorist organization? It's not a terrorist organization. No, they're Palestinian resistance. What about Ukrainian resistance? You're just you're just bowing down to the Israelis. Why they can't fight back? They can't fight back. Shame on you, Trudeau. Shame on you. He stood with the Israelis, with the war criminals, the ones that are breaching international law, killing babies. Well, to the blowhard off camera screaming hysterically, here's why Hamas is a terrorist organization. You might recall October 7th, uh, just about five weeks ago, um, more than 1,400 Israelis, innocent Israeli civilians massacred, uh, more than 4,200 injured, um, 242, I believe, is the most recent count, uh, kidnapped and being held hostage, presumably in a tunnel in Gaza somewhere, including what is now a 10-month-old baby, uh, was kidnapped when he was nine months old. Uh, You know what? I think that meets the benchmark of terrorism. What do you say, Tamara? Well, it's a designated terrorist group, according to the government of Canada. So that's why he's calling it a terrorist group group. Um, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me that someone would, would be out there hurling these remarks at the prime minister when this information is so widely publicly available that maybe we could try to think up a question that's a little bit more intelligent and intelligible. It just, it seems like nonsense uh, clickbait to me. Yeah, I wonder 
who the organization was there. And, you know, this speaks to uh, another thing, uh, Tamara, that, you know, as these pro-Hamas demonstrators uh, get away with um, vandalism, with death threats, yeah. with calling for genocide, uh, with smearing paint and graffiti uh, on a business which, uh, oh, the only crime is it happens to be owned by a Jew, so therefore uh, we're going to go all 1938 Berlin on that guy or gal. Um, as law enforcement turns a blind eye and as our political leaders uh, turn a blind eye, and I'm almost certain that the politicians behind the scenes are telling the cops not to make arrests, they're getting further emboldened and you're going to see an increase in physical assaults. And it wouldn't surprise me, and I hope I'm wrong, uh, that you'll see somebody murdered, uh, given well, the hysteria mm -hmm. and the emboldenment and the fact that these people uh, think they can get away with almost murder. Uh, so why not go to that extra hurdle? Uh, this is despicable. Uh, what, what we are seeing now compared to what the patriots in the freedom convoy mm -hmm. went through mm -hmm. having their bank accounts frozen uh being arrested in the case of tamara leach being put into solitary what was it 39 days or something like I think that it was, i think it was closer to 50 days 50 days yeah well solitary uh, no less but she was jailed for almost yeah. 50. so why the double standard yeah well and there's no repercussion for these actions and we've seen that repeatedly in justin trudeau's canada where you have these progressive liberal criminal code adjustments and especially you know as with the catch and release yeah. um protocols for the ju judicial system where there's no recourse there's no repercussions for your actions and so you can just spew this kind of nonsense you can be an actual criminal and be out on bail within 12 hours 100 um, and I, I, I assume you spoke about it yesterday I didn't watch the stream but the montreal uh school shooting yeah. This is horrific. Yep. This is absolutely horrific to be taking place in Canada. And what I what I constantly kind of go back to is I want I say to myself, and if I wasn't blocked on Twitter, I'd check. But um, where's the anti hate network? Right. Oh, we have yeah. a government funded network that's supposed to condemn hate in Canada. And they've been pretty much silent on this file for well, what is it? Five weeks? Oh, I'll tell you where they are. Uh, <laughs> the Anti-Hate Network uh, head honcho, uh, Bunny Farber, as I like to call him, uh, he was called out on this. And, uh, like, where is the condemnation? And uh, on social media, he responded. Uh, and it was basically, our focus is right-wing yes, hatred groups. Right. We wish we had the resources. We wish we... I, I, and uh, Bernie Farber is a Jew. Bernie Farber's parents were um, Holocaust uh, uh, survivors. Um, and you're going, oh, well, you know what? Because we're so obsessed with, uh, I don't know, the Ku Klux Klan and uh, neo-Nazis, um, we just don't have time uh, to deal with people saying from the river to the sea or gas the Jews. Uh, is that not despicable? This guy is self-hating. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. I say. Do we here, have yeah, that, we have Olivia? The here. We do, eh? Yeah, so, he was responding to to someone, um, basically calling calling them out on their silence on this, and he says, anti-hate.ca focuses on the extreme right. 
whatever that is, <laughs> that is what it does. That's it. That's all it does. So it's not actually about anti-hate. It's just mm. focusing on the extreme right. I wish we had the resources to do more. We just don't. Oh, really? And then he resigned, didn't he, after this? didn't? Wasn't there a change in... Oh, I'm not aware of that. I hope so. Uh, I, I, don't don't take my word for that. But, but uh, Tamara, what research? Turn on the news. Go to yeah. one of these demonstrations. <laughs> it's not that you need to establish a think tank and delve through reams and reams of material. Any weekend, you'll see this crap on dis openly on display. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you something about the political left. For decades, they have been obsessed with, uh, like I said before, uh, Klansmen, neo-Nazis, hey, as well they should. Look, I'm not a supporter of uh, that kind of uh, vitriol and hatred. But in the meantime, they have inexplicably mm -hmm. made alliances with the Islamists. These are people committed to wiping Israel off the face of the earth, to killing every Jew, and many on the left are indeed Jewish themselves. Uh, this is unbelievable. And if what is happening now in the streets of Western cities around the world is not a wake-up call to these people, i.e., you better change teams because the side you're on is going to be coming for you very quickly. I don't know what would be a wake-up call, Tamara. Well, it looks like they did, and I'm speaking about the Anti-Hate Network, they did um, do one article on the shooting um, in Montreal. But, but yeah, I wanted to just touch on Bernie did step down as the chair of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. They posted this on November 7th, okay. so just last week. But apparently he stepped down on... September 14th. I think that might just be, and this is my own personal inkling, that for optics, right? Because oh. they've been so silent on this file. Um, Bernie Farber apparently stepped down on September 14th, but they didn't post it until November 7th. That seems a bit odd to me. But um, anyway, he's been replaced by Sue Gardner, um, who was unanimously elected as our new chair. And so since that time, they've published one article on the shots fired into two Jewish schools overnight. And I think that one was also from last week. Do we have a date on that one? Can we show it on screen? <clears throat> November 9th. So within two days, they have a new chair. And now all of a sudden, they have one article on these incidences. This is an, a fascinating chronology because uh, it says in the article that he stepped down September 14th. Yes. And then it's not announced until November 7th. And if you look at the chronology, that might be just a couple of days after he said that idiotic uh, tweet. Yes. That we, um, hey, both, what are you going to do? We just don't have the resources <laughs> to go after these, uh, um, you know, pro Hamas uh, people. Uh, we got to focus on extreme right wing uh, terrorism. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe that was the catalyst. Mm, good you know. point. Yeah, I didn't check the date stamp on that tweet, and I think because the vast majority of us are blocked by the anti-hate network, um, who actually <laughs> seems to be responsible for some hate. If you follow, uh, are you kidding? <laughs> Karima Sad, <laughs> yeah. I think is the pronunciation of her last name. Yes. Yeah, she's headed out with some of the anti-hate um, pundits. So. 
Anyway, there's yes. a whole there's a whole Pandora's box there when you get into anti-hate.ca and what they're actually doing and whether or not they're actually anti-hate, which looks like more and more. In fact, they're not. I mean, he admitted it. The chair who's now stepped down um, admitted it himself. They're not about condemning hate. They're just about scrutinizing the extreme right. If anyone can define the extreme right for me, please do that and um, let me know it, where you find ex the extreme right in Canada, what kind of encompasses it, who is the extreme right. I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, I think the definition, Tamara, is if you are slightly right of mousy tongue, uh, you are a member of the extreme right. You know, we got to take an ad break. Yes. We'll uh, get back to, oh, look at this. Not only is blackface bad at math, he's pretty bad at uh, military strategy. He's calling for a significant humanitarian pause in the Israel-Hamas war. Yeah, that's a great idea, blackface. Uh, go back to your normal climate change virtue signaling. In the meantime, let's take this uh, ad break and we'll take this up on the other side. The winter chill is setting in all across the country, including here in Alberta. You might be able to see my breath, but I've got a solution for that annual problem. It's here on the billboard behind me. Now, normally this billboard tells travelers on Alberta's busiest highway, Highway 2, just south of Edmonton, about our latest causes, our fights for freedom, or books we've published. Today, it's inviting you to join us for some fun in the sun. We're talking about the Rebel News Cruise, a week-long Caribbean cruise departing March 23rd with your favorite rebel personalities, including me, Ezra Levant, Alexa Lavoie, David Menzies, and many more. And of course, the woman of the year, Freedom Convoy leader, my friend, Tamara Leach. We depart from Fort Lauderdale. From there, we go to the Bahamas, Jamaica, the Cayman Islands, and then Mexico. And we're not just bringing your favorite rebel personalities, we're bringing along some of your favorite thinkers and people you see interviewed all the time on Rebel News. But if you're thinking about booking the cruise, Get off the fence and make a decision because this billboard receives 1.3 million monthly impressions, which means the cruise will fill up fast and I don't want you to miss it. For all the details about the Rebel News Caribbean Cruise, please go to rebelnewscruise.com and let's sail away from Trudeau's frosty winter for a week together. For Rebel News, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed. Don't you just love oh. our chief reporter? And I got to tell you a little story, and I'm not going to give you all the details because I have made a promise for silence. But on Friday, Sheila Gunn-Reed sent me a text. And guess what, Tamara Ugolini? It was meant for her husband. <laughs> it was sent to me by mistake. And uh, she immediately said, oh, please delete, please delete. And I think my response was, I knew it was too good to be true. Uh, but there's a lesson for you folks. Always make sure when it's, you know, kind of in the naughty realm that you got the right recipient. Uh, John Tory did the same thing uh, with... Uh, his uh, mistress, remember, when he uh, said, um, uh, I can't wait to chase you around the cottage this weekend. Uh, it went to another city hall staffer. So, oh, I didn't uh, know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oops, uh, could you delete, please? Anyways, uh, I, I know I'm probably causing, uh, if she's watching uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, incredible grief. Don't worry, She-Devil, I'm not going to talk <laughs> about the contents of it. Uh, but uh, I've made a printout to forever cherish it, nevertheless. Sheila's <laughs> happily married, as evidenced by her text message that was meant for her husband. Yes. So, uh, uh, Tamara, why don't we throw to that video? 
um, where uh, blackface is calling on Canadians to come together as a community. This is a guy that's done more than any other prime minister in Canadian history to divide Canadians, including the most recent boondoggle, uh, Atlantic Canadians with home heating oil. You get a break. The rest of you, well, <laughs> go freeze in the dark. Um, <laughs> so why don't we run this video and uh, discuss his, um, I guess, his merits as a strategist in a Middle East war. Since October 7th, incidents of hate are rising in Canada. How concerned are you about the rising threat and what more can your government do to ease the tension? Well, first of all, I think we all need to be extremely concerned about the rise in tensions, the rise in threats of violence, the rise in actual acts of violence, and the rise in hatred. And I think one of the most important things for all of us to do is to remember who we are as Canadians. When the Quebec City mosque shooting happened, members of the Jewish community stepped up in support of the local mosque here in, Sioux, in the Sioux. When uh, there were terrible incidents of anti-Semitism in Canada and in the United States over the past years, the Muslim community showed up at the synagogue here in the Sioux. Because Canadians stand up for each other. We hear each other's pain and grief and support each other. And yes, what's happening in the Middle East right now is causing a lot of devastating emotions. Fear, anger, grief on all sorts of different communities, but particularly both the Muslim and the Jewish communities across Canada. And what we need to do as Canadians is remember who we are as we lean on each other, as we go out and visit our friends in the Jewish community, stand with our friends in the Muslim community, participate in calls for peace, for significant humanitarian pause, for getting hostages out, getting Canadian citizens out of Gaza, flowing in humanitarian aid and coming together as a community, not because we're all going to agree in every way on the next steps going forward, but because we can all agree that we need to be there for each other and that we don't wish ill on any of our neighbors in this country, regardless of what's happening around the world. So I want to thank all the community leaders right across the country who've been working so hard to bring together Canadians who are scared, who are angry, to remember who they are, to listen to each other and to work together to build a better future and more peace here in Canada, because that's how we help create a lasting solution in the Middle East. Wow, you know, it's amazing, uh, Tamara Ugolini, when we go out to cover these pro-Hamas demonstrations, um, they are so vile, uh, they get physical, they get abusive, even to some members of the mainstream media, they'll mm -hmm. call them part of the Zionist news network. Uh, they call on the death of Jew for Jews, they call on the eradication of Israel. Funny thing is, you know, I went to Christy Pitts on Sunday with Lincoln Jay to chronicle a, um, a rally 
for the 242 hostages uh, being held in Gaza. Um, some of them are infants, some are children, some are seniors, some are Holocaust survivors, if you can imagine. They're being held presumably in some tunnel in Gaza. And um, a couple of things are notable. Uh, you'll see, yes, there's a lot of Israeli flags there, but you'll see uh, so many Canadian flags in the crowd as well. Um, you, I think I've seen at one pro-Hamas demonstration one Canadian flag. And what's more, you didn't hear people breaking out into chants to wipe Islamic nations off the face of the earth. You didn't hear chants about killing or gassing or harming Muslims. No, it was all positive. Um, and that's the difference. I guess the point I'm getting to when it comes to blackface giving us that big world word salad about all coming together is that why is there when they finally do call out anti-Semitism, our political leaders, whether it's Mayor Chow of Toronto or blackface, why do they also bring up, you know, it's typically we condemn anti-Semitism. Oh, and Islamophobia. Where are the Islamophobic acts right now? <laughs> I mean, like, are you kidding me? Why is there this moral equivalence going on right now? Um, I think it's just politics. They're looking yeah. at the numbers. They don't want to offend a significant voting base. And that's why they're trying to play it both ways, Tamara. Yeah, and I mean, it's still so soft. He took, what was that, two and a half minutes, two minutes roughly, to say basically nothing. Um, I was getting yeah. so bored just sitting here listening to him ramble on and on and on um, to, to for a word salad, to not say anything at all. Um, this there's There needs to be some hard stances taken here, and we need to consider how these individuals got into this country and what their motives are here and whether or not our immigration policies are really serving the vested best interest of Canada and 100%. Canadians as a country, because this didn't just come out of nowhere. This has been, you know, an underground proliferation coming into the country for years. And are we adequately vetting the people who are coming into the country? And do they actually want to become Canadian? And if they don't want to fly the Canadian flag, and they want to espouse this dangerous speech, then what is happening here and what actions are being taken by the government to ensure that we have a process in place to build Canada as a country of people who are vested in actual Canadianship, if that's not a word, but um, you, you get my point. It's that, you know, we can't have these this segregationist country being built upon, and that's what you're seeing happening now. And, you know, I, I'm getting uh, a little tired of this, uh, you know, Blackface said it himself. He, he's calling for a significant humanitarian pause in Gaza. Um, I, I don't think there's been any army in the history of the world that goes out of their way not to harm civilians as the IDF. Uh, they give advance notice via social media and leaflet dropping. We're coming into this area. If you're a civilian, get out of town. Um, this hospital that keeps coming up where there's they're running out of food and fuel and drinking water. Um, the problem with having a significant humanitarian pause is that that would allow uh, presumably Hamas 
terrorists who are underneath the hospital to get out. And this is what Israel is doing. They are cutting off Hamas to the last terrorist, period. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu said uh, a couple of days ago, uh, if the U.S. on September 11th, 2001, experienced 2911s, and he said 2911s because if you look at the amount of population, uh, Tamara, in Israel and the number of uh, death victims, um, would would the U.S. listen to any call from any nation for a significant humanitarian pause in going after the butchers that caused all that carnage? Absolutely not. So this is, you know, the situation we're in. And why isn't it this? If you want a significant humanitarian pause, maybe even the end of this war, there is one thing to be done, isn't there? Release those 242 hostages. Why does this not come up, whether it's our heads of state or the demonstrators uh, chanting uh, from the river to the sea we see every weekend? Yeah. And meanwhile, the conservative, uh, the leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev, he has been taking a hard stance on some of these things yep. and largely um, with a, a focus, I think, on what's happening here in Canada at home. We have a video here to share with you um, that he calls on anyone who participates in these horrific attacks to be jailed. But mm. I mean, thanks to Justin Trudeau's liberal catch and release policies, I don't see that happening in the near future. Conservatives call for Canadians to remain united and to avoid importing the violence we see around the world into our country. You can have any opinion you want about what's happening in the Middle East. That's your business. But you do not have the right to, to attack your fellow Canadians. That is not uh, acceptable. And conservatives call for anyone who's been involved in these terrorist attacks to be immediately arrested and jailed. All levels of government should work to protect Canadians against this terrorism. Uh, Anti-Semitism is an age-old evil. We must speak out against it every day and every way. And our governments must take tangible action to protect against that evil. I should also add that we should immediately ban terrorist or all terrorist organizations in Canada. I believe that some of this terrorism has been incited by the IRGC, which is the Iranian government's terrorist arm. Conservatives have been calling for the IRGC to be banned for years. Trudeau continues to allow them to live in peace and comfort and, and while they incite and instigate terrorism on our soil. Ban these terrorists and send the tyrants from Tehran that are living in this country back where they came from. We should have no time no patience, and no room for IRGC terrorists here in Canada. Wow, that is such refreshing honesty, mm -hmm. uh, Tamara. I think that goes a long way in explaining why the latest poll that came out yesterday shows the Conservatives headed for more than uh, 200 uh, seats in the next election, uh, whereas the Liberals less than 70. Um, he's calling it out. I, I mean, of course the IRGC uh, should be 
uh, designated as a terrorist group, as it is in many nations, because Iran at the end of the day, and by the way, someone who's um, really deserves a lot of blame for this indirectly, or maybe even directly, is the Joe Biden administration. Uh, when Trump was in office, we had a boot on Iran's neck. Uh, they were, I think, producing or selling less than 200,000 barrels of oil a day. Mm -hmm. Now it's more than 4 million. And right now, the Iranian regime, the sanctions haven't been lifted, but they're just not in force, which means they don't exist. Right now, this regime is flush with billions of dollars, and it's going to Hamas, it's going to Hezbollah. Remember, Iran is very clear. They say this publicly. This is their, their regime. Uh, Israel is the lit, little Satan. Uh, the U.S. is the big Satan. Uh, I guess everyone in between in the West, we're all, I guess, medium-sized Satans. Um, and that is why you see um, the funding for thousands and thousands of rockets that are being uh, leveled at Israel. So of course the IRGC, if the first uh, initial in that organization stands for Iranian, uh, yeah, it should be uh, eradicated. And I wanna be quite clear about something, folks. When I talk about Iran, I'm not talking about the Iranian people. They are perhaps the biggest victims of this vicious, um, I, I call them Islamo-Nazi organization. And I live in a city where the Iranian population, it's a significant minority, 14%. I've had nothing but good dealings. Oh, with the exception of one, that would be Majid Johari, the liberal MP for Richmond Hill, who has meetings on Canadian soil with Iranian politicians. Try to explain that one to me. But we have to, um, you know, getting rid of the RGC is not uh, a slight to the Iranian people or Iranian Canadians. It's actually something they would like to see happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go to a quick ad break and we'll come back to another qu quick clip of Pierre Polyev and we'll get to some of our COVID crazy topics. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara on the Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. All right. On um, parental rights in this country, it's been a contentious topic. What's that? Parental rights. <laughs> There's no, a I mean, few what are parental there's, rights anymore? Okay. I was going to say, there's a few contentious <laughs> topics in this country, but one of them is parental rights in the school system and primarily whether or not school boards and on the ground schools, their teachers, the principals should disclose uh, the students' changes to their identity, whether they're using different pronouns, different names, identifying as something other than human. Um, some school <laughs> boards have gone rogue and they have explicitly 
explicit policies in place that state we don't let parents know uh, if if the child chooses whatever gender, age, name, unless the child consents to bringing their parents on board and informing the parents. Um, and, and Tamara, can I just jump in there? When our kids were young, I remember if they were going on a field trip, and I don't mean out in the field, I mean like yep. going from Richmond Hill to the Royal Ontario Museum in downtown Toronto, I seem to think I, there must have been like 18 sheets of paperwork mm -hmm. and multiple signatures and initials that we had to sign off for them to basically take a bus ride um, 20 kilometers south. Um, why is there that kind of over indulgence in terms of safety protocols, yet the school boards and the teachers and the principals think that, um, no, this is okay, uh, changing your gender mm -hmm. as a minor, changing your pronouns, uh, that is, that's no business of parents. Can you explain that to me as a, as a mother? Not from a rational, reasonable standpoint, no. <laughs> I, there was a, a Terry Fox walk that I had to sign at least two different forms for my child to partake on. And they're a bit older. Um, so yeah, how this makes any logical sense that we should be keeping parents in the dark about really complex psychological issues such as identity crisis. This is a, you know, this is a huge topic of, of debate and discussion. And to leave parents in the dark about these things that may be happening with children at school. I mean, on one hand, and, you know, as a parent, I think that you would probably be privy to the fact that something might be awry with your child if there's some sort of identity crisis in the works. But it could be being reinforced in secret by the school unbeknownst to you. And that's where, you know, it, many parents have drawn the line. I think 80% of parents agree that this is going in the wrong directions. Parents should be that first line of communication involved in the education of their children. And they should at least be made aware that these sorts of conversations and topics and things are happening at our publicly funded schools, right? Don't forget that these are all situations and institutions and people who are paid for and funded entirely by our tax dollars. And so we have this video here of Pierre Polyev basically telling Trudeau once again to butt out and that parents should decide what they teach and what is taught to their children. Yeah, just resounding applause there. I mean, and that's at a Pierre Polyev rally, so to be expected. But as I mentioned, the vast majority of parents agree that this should not just be in the hands of rogue school boards. And the thing with the curriculum, and I'll speak about Ontario specifically, um, because education is a provincial, regional, territorial thing. But here in Ontario, our curriculum is so broad and ambiguously worded that it's really left open to the interpretation of who's ever teaching it. And so that's where a lot of the issues arise is that if you get a really radical extremist in the classroom as a teacher, then how they interpret and thus 
teach this curriculum is up to their discretion. Yeah. And and that's where parents can't take an active role and they can't take an active seat in the education because you're never really sure what you're going to get. And that's a difficult situation and a difficult system to try to navigate as a parent. It, it, my take as well, uh, Tamara, is the audacity and the outright hypocrisy of school boards. Um, yeah, they're all down with this radical trans agenda, but when it comes into their faces at their school board meetings, I believe it was the Durham District School Board uh, east of Toronto, where you had a father, he had to be escorted out by police because he got up there and he started reading verbatim passages yes of a pornographic novels. Oh, well, why would he do that? Why would he read porn in a school board meeting? Oh, because these pornographic books are available for elementary age school children. So the, 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 the trustees were reacting in horror. This is inappropriate. Yeah, for them, uh, <laughs> not for the kids. Same when uh, I went to um, Halton District School Board. Mm -hmm. Uh, dressed as a facsimile of Busty Lemieux, uh, the tight biker shorts, the the fake blonde uh, wig, uh, the giant Z cup uh, silicone boobs. Uh, that's uh, for the kids at Oakville Trafalgar. That's an example of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But when I go there, you know what happened to me, folks. I am now serving, I have been banned for life <laughs> from going to the Halton District School Board. The sight of those ginormous breasts uh, was too offensive for them. The trustees and the staff literally fled the room. Well, if it's, if it's so offensive uh, that get up to you, why are you allowing minors uh, mm -hmm. to take that in uh, as well? And uh, yeah, so um, those, uh, needless to say, those... Um, those uh, Z cups are uh, are on ice right now. I, I gotta tell you, <laughs> I, I, have, I have newfound respect for the woman of the world, uh, Tamara. I don't know how you cats get around uh, with those kind of things. I don't. I mean, why don't you have a, a backache? I, I I found it threw my whole center of gravity off. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, that's why it's so <laughs> grotesque. That's why the Busty Lemieux story yeah. is so grotesque because any biological woman who has that size of breast yep. usually opts to have them not removed, but, um, but, but reduced, reduced. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know what? Forget about biological woman, even so-called trans woman. If you're a trans woman, a trans man, I don't care what you are. The ultimate compliment is to blend in to the community of the other sex, yes. right? So what I'm saying folks is that if you're a man trying to pass yourself off as a woman, you would never do it the way Carrie Lemieux did by dressing up as a grotesque caricature of a female, you would want to do it very subtly. You would want people to be uh, unaware that you are not who you're presenting yourself to be. I think that's their ultimate compliment. That's why you saw the trans community completely silent on this, yeah. uh, Tamara. They knew uh, this was either a practical joke, which I don't think it was, I think it was an example of someone suffering from autogenophilia, mm -hmm. and uh, they weren't going to uh, wade in as supporters of this guy. But even with all that backstory, folks, 
the miserable cowards at the Halton District School Board were so terrified as with the perception of being transphobic, even though this is not a trans issue, that they would not say anything. And by the way, in his only on the record interview Lemieux gave, it was with the New York Post, and he claimed that those breasts were real. <laughs> that contrary to popular, I swear to God, hand up the God folks, that he started developing as a man at the age of 38. And uh, it's a very rare case. Yeah, like kind of like one in eight billion. And yet Lincoln Jay and I caught him last April, the day before Good Friday at, a, at the Hudson's Bay out in Burlington. Guess what? The boobs were gone. Uh, did he have them reduced? Uh, <laughs> or or are, are, are they like those? Because um, later they reappeared. So is, is it kind of like those lizards? You chop off their tail and it grows back again? I mean, I'm, I think there we go. There we have. By the way, he's fleeing in an Uber, folks. His car is parked in the parking lot. There he is. Where's the blonde wig? Where are the Zed cups? By the way, in 40 years of journalism, I never thought I would utter this query uh, to Mary Ugolini. Mr. Lemieux, where are your boobs? <laughs> so, but we caught him red-handed. The point I'm getting to is we have someone that we caught red-handed essentially lying about a disability. He said, they're not props, they're not prosthetics. This mm -hmm. is my actual mammary gland. And um, we proved that wasn't the case. There's the before and after. And still, that cowardly school board, and he's now with a new school board, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Hamilton-Wentworth yes. District School Board, they will not do anything uh, to this individual. Uh, sorry to go off on a tangerine, mm -hmm. but it, it just speaks volumes how radical transgenderism, good for the kids, not for the uh, you know silver spoon educrats in their inner sanctum. What a bunch of disgraceful, stupid people. And therein lies the problem with self-identification, that you can just willy-nilly, whenever you want, identify as a woman when it suits you, when you want to partake in what a 13-year-old girl swim meet at the public pool, when you want to use a women's only change room or restroom uh, that, that has young girls in, in it, when there are boys at school who want to go into the girls' bathroom. I mean, there's the Ottawa District School Board parent, Nick Morabito, who was silenced by that radical, rabid mask enthusiast, Dr. <laughs> Nilly Kaplan-Murth, oh, no. um, when he was just simply expressing concern over who would be using the bathroom with his daughters at school if they proceeded with these ridiculous self-identification policies that anyone and everyone who just, today, I'm a girl, so I'm going to use this bathroom and who are these people and are they of sound mind to be determining what bathroom they're using today? What are their motives? What are the intentions here? Well, we know of one person because uh, we found that person at a swim meet in Markham at the Pan Am Center. Gross. Uh, that would be Efren and I. Uh, we were tipped off by concerned parents and it's um, Nicholas Sapita, who now goes by the name of Meldy Wiseheart, which to me sounds like um, the name a porn starlet uh, would have. Uh, oh, and speaking of pornography, folks, look at this. This is a biological man who was identifying not only as female, oh, that's just so 2016. Uh, he was identifying as a 13-year-old female. His swim, there's the game sheet. Um, every, almost everybody was either a 13 or 14-year-old girl. 
And then you see Melody Weishart, <laughs> 50. Look at that name. Look at that number. It just jumps out at you. There is Nicholas. And uh, he's a professor, if you can imagine, at York University in Toronto, Tamara Ugolini, and knocked me down with a feather, my friend. Two of his specialties, as always, when it comes to these cats, it's youth and children, right? Is this not raising a red flag? And to this day, folks, I can't get a straight answer from the Richmond Hill uh, Aquatics Club or Swimming Canada or the Markham Pan Am Center to this query. Did Melody slash Nicholas get to change and shower with those 13 and 14 year old girls? Once upon a time, a cat like that would be dragged out of the change mm -hmm. room mm -hmm. and thrown in a prison cell. Now it's a celebration of uh, equity, diversity and inclusion. Tamara, you're a mother of uh, some young children. Mm -hmm. If you found that out at your local community center, that a 50 year old man with his full junk uh, still attached oh, was showering with your daughters. What no. would you do? No, I there's there's no telling because I it's not appropriate to share on air what I would do. That is absolutely <laughs> oh, horrific. That's disgusting and needs. Uh, yeah, there there need. I'm. It's disgusting that parents aren't also taking a hard stance against the proliferation of this absolutely nonsense, putting their children at risk with these perversely fetishized adults. Um, it's disgusting. It's really gross to see how, but the writing was on the wall that this would be the result of this continued push for equality and equity. Yep. And, and a lot of people were saying, no, this is going in the way of perversion yep. and uh, pedophilia. Yep. And so now you're starting to see it. And what will it take to get parents mad enough and want to actually protect their children again? Oh, Tamara, uh, one quick correction here. The parents are furious. The okay, ones good. I took to. Here is the problem. Um, when I say, would you like to come on camera? Yeah. Of course. And they say, Dave, I'd love to, but I work for the government. Mm -hmm. Or Dave, I'd love to, but I have a small business. And if I'm doxxed and the, you know, rainbow mafia decides they are going to pressure my employer to fire me, to boycott my business, uh, I don't have a livelihood anymore. This is what's called tyranny by mm -hmm. the minority. And we are bending a knee to these lunatics. You know, once upon a time, uh, it was fair game to call somebody uh, who had a penis a man and who had a vagina a woman. Now, oh, no, 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 that, that, that's the thinking of Neanderthals. It's, uh, I identify, therefore I am, mm -hmm. uh, to modify an old saying. And this is a problem. And mm -hmm. I say we have to go forward en masse, kind of like Spartacus, remember? I'm Spartacus, no, I'm Spartacus. Like, what are they gonna do? Throw us all in prison? What are they gonna do? Uh, fire us all, boycott us all, us all. That's what we need. We need to stand up to this thing that I call transanity. Mm -hmm. And transanity it is. And also um, institute perhaps some whistleblower protection on yes. some of this because you shouldn't have to be worried about your business or the fact that you work for the government or any of your, your job for simply speaking out against what you see as a disgusting, perverse risk to children. 
right? Make protecting children great again, because <laughs> that is absolutely absurd. But I, I get it. I, you don't, especially in today's financial landscape, you can't afford to lose your livelihood. And um, that is a really sad state of affairs to live in what we once thought was a free and democratic nation where you could voice your concerns and you could be heard on the merits of those concerns instead of framed as some bigot. And uh, that's the state of affairs that we are we have here in Canada. We are about eight minutes over, so I'm just what? going to quickly, right? Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. I'm going to quickly get through this mask mandate madness that has returned to Ontario long-term care homes. Are we still YouTube friendly, Tamara Ugolini? Yeah, or? the masking, you know, I think YouTube okay. started to follow the science a little bit more on masks. <laughs> and so you can, <laughs> you can say a little bit more liberal things, if that's the right word to use, about masks and um, how they're just basic these masks in particular are basically useless it's when you talk about the vaccine that's when big okay. pharma still really has its stranglehold on uh youtube google those sorts of conglomerates so anyway mask mandates have returned to ontario long-term care homes previous masking requirements in long-term care homes were lifted in october of last year several ontario hospitals have also reinstated mask mandates with rules varying between facilities i know of some hospitals that didn't stop the masking at all. They've been masking oh, yeah. since yeah. 2020. There Many. are certain, yeah, yeah, there are certain medical establishments that continued to enforce the mask mandate. Um, but what I wanted to, you know, this in and of itself, right? We we say, well, masks worked. Well, masks worked. Well, if they work so well, why do we have to keep doing them? And um, we've dug into, you know, throughout 2020 and 2021, we did extensive reports on masking and how they're basically like they're they're useless these masks in particular they're used primarily by surgeons to prevent droplets um, from either going into a patient that they're operating on or being splashed into their nose or mouth from the patients that they're doing surgery on um, they do nothing to stop a an invisible virus and um, the thing that really gets me about the masking returning to Ontario long-term care homes is these are people who've received up to eight doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. So, you know, they're all, well, the vaccine's safe and effective. It's safe and effective, safe and effective. So if it's so safe and effective, why do we have to bring back masking? And if masking worked so well, why have we continued to have to do it? Well, I'll give you an answer. I'll pretend this is what's going on when it comes to the very top head honcho of the province, Premier Doug Ford. It'll be, oh, you know, Tamara, if it was up to me, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't uh, have these masks come in. But, oh, you know, the team, Tamara, it's the team. Trust are the experts. Me this way. Yeah, that, that's why, because we don't have a real leader here. I, the fact that this is especially happening in a province ruled um, allegedly by a conservative is outrageous, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. just like the sex ed file, this government ran on one of the planks was getting rid of the McGinty Wynn sex ed 
uh, curriculum. Yes. It's even worse now. Yep. And if anyone knows where Stephen Lecce is, what boulder he's hiding under at Wasaiga Beach, uh, please let us know. We'd love to get him on camera for an interview. But th this is what gets me. This does not have to be going through. It shouldn't be going through. It wouldn't. It's not going to happen in Alberta under mm -hmm. Premier Smith. I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. But we have a fake conservative running this province tomorrow. Well, and the, the workers complain, and already these places are severely understaffed, and the staff that they do have are sick, and that's arguably because they've complied with the nonsense this whole time, and hopefully you catch my drift because we're on YouTube, so I'm not going to say too much there. But these, the the staff in nursing homes, they work 12-hour shifts. Imagine having to wear a mask for 12 hours straight. The staff is struggling, the residents are struggling, and this does nothing other Rather than cause you to rebreathe your exhaled breath, which is supposed to be exiting your body for good reason, and you know contributes to condensation and moisture retention. The whole thing is just a mess, and it's unfortunately the elderly who will suffer yep. the most, who, you know, in many instances cannot advocate for themselves and they require their their family members, their loved ones to advocate for them. And those advocates, their advocacy work is just falling, falling on deaf ears because no one is listening because there's the hysterical few who are the loudest in the group. Yeah. This article in and of itself um, pulls a quote from a concerned woman who spoke to the CBC, I mean, of course, um, who complained that long-term care staff are not complying with the measure. And it's quotes here. Staff are pulling down the mask to talk to each other and to talk to residents. Like, hello, COVID is still here. We wear the mask properly, she told the state broadcaster, accusing a new market long-term care home of non-compliance with the directive. I don't know. Have you ever tried to understand somebody wearing a mask, especially when you're a deaf elderly person uh, who cannot now rely on lip reading to understand what is being said to you? What do these people expect? This is absolutely absurd. We're three and a half years into this. Masks do nothing. Why do we still think that they do? You know what this tells me too, uh, Tamara, is that the COVID Karens apparently never went away. You know, <laughs> yeah. for the for the for Team Karen community, uh, COVID was a utopia. You know, the idea of uh, ratting people out. I always think of that scene from the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978, you know, when uh, Donald Sutherland, who you think might still be human, rats out one of the last remaining humans in San Francisco with the point and screeching uh, like a banshee and caught in a leg hole trap. These people live for this. And here we have her running to the CBC, who is more than happy to inter you know, entertain the snitching about this new market uh, long-term yeah. care facility. Uh, by the way, I think um, uh, super producer Olivia has that clip lined up. Did you ever see Invasion of the Body Snatchers? There yeah. it is. Oh, we don't have any sound. Yeah. I'm sorry if that was a spoiler, uh, but I figured if a film was released in 1978, you'd probably have seen it by now. <laughs> but anyways, you know, th they live for this kind of thing. And uh, at least the good news, I think, Tamara, because I always try to look for the silver lining. Um, we um, There were so many rumors in late summer that in the fall, we're heading into 
uh, more COVID lockdowns. Uh, there's going to be another variant. I, I I don't know what they're calling them. They they always sound these days like characters out of the Transformers movie. <laughs> uh, but um, we ha we're not there yet. Or maybe the powers that be realize there's too many people now who are yeah. awake. There's too many people. Uh uh uh. Fool me once, but you're not going to fool me again. And uh, the idea of, uh, hey, Tamara, do you mind shutting down your boutique? Oh, by the way, Walmart will still be open. Mm -hmm. The LCBO will still mm -hmm. be open. But you're the uh, you're the COVID hotspot. They're not going to buy that garbage a second time around. Um, or are we just waiting for the other shoe to fall? What do you think? Well, you... On one side, I think that, you know, the COVID hysteria, the knee-jerk lockdowns, restrictions, suppressive social isolation measures wouldn't fly again. But we keep, you know, there's always that talk, oh, the next pandemic is upon us and we have to continue to prepare. And the World Health Organization is using their powers to try to strengthen their mandate to advise and um, enforce adherence to whatever measures they deem necessary to deal with the next pandemic. And they even say the next pandemic could be climate change. And um, yes. so there's always this looming, like, be afraid, be very afraid narrative coming down from the health overlords. Um, oh, and by the way, folks, if you think Tamara Ugolini is exaggerating here, that is not the case. I'm, I think, don't quote me, I think it was Extinction Rebellion. This is going back more, uh, more than a year. But they actually said... Uh, you know, during the COVID years, uh, emissions went down. Well, of course they did. Nobody, so many people weren't driving anywhere. So many planes were were grounded. Uh, you know, uh, so many factories were shut down. Of course, mm -hmm. emissions went down. So they thought, you know, why don't we make it like the Olympics? You know, once every four years, we have a complete COVID shutdown, not for a virus, of course, but for, for reducing emissions. Can you believe how imbecilic these people are, Tamara. I mean, and and also the lack of empathy, not mm -hmm. realizing, mm -hmm. uh, look at how many businesses went out of business. Look at the suicide rate yeah. uh, during this time. Overdoses. Yeah. But, but, but just because emissions will go down, uh, all of that carnage is mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah, it's justified if you're a climate hysteric. Um, we have a couple super chats, so Excellent. let's just run through them quickly and we'll wrap this up. Okay. Plum Duff 69 just says there's way too much Trudeau video in this episode and I concur <laughs> completely <laughs> listening to him just word salad barf it all out. I don't know. He's kind of like one of these uh, heel wrestlers. Uh, you know, the, the one you love to hate, right? <laughs> you know, the more blackface I see, I, I, I can't, I can barely stand his voice, but still it is, um, it's almost comic and it, and the comedy increases the more he goes into drama, uh, teacher mode mm -hmm. and tries to come across as serious and profound. So, uh, I'm not there yet, uh, Duff. I, uh, I, I can still do with my, uh, daily blackface hit. It's Teresa Tam for me. <laughs> That's the voice I can't stand. Um, AMT 60 gives $5. Thank you. November 15th. I'm attending a meeting with my MP and can ask one question. My question is why Leslin Lewis is the only CPC MP that is bringing up May 2024 WHO pandemic treaty on X, formerly Twitter. If passed, we lose our sovereignty. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, 
That's a great, I don't know who your um, MP is, if they're liberal, conservative, or otherwise, um, but that seems like a good question. You could also record their response and mm -hmm. send it in to us. Let us know what they say. Um, she also has a petition about that. So she wants her first petition, which already closed, calls on the House of Commons to just debate these pandemic treaties and the regulation changes to the, or sorry, the proposed amendments to the international health regulations. Um, so that, I think the government actually has to respond in the next two weeks or so. I'll have mm. to follow up on that. But her next petition, which has almost 50,000 signatures, and it doesn't close until, if my memory serves me, February of next year, um, calling for Canada to withdraw completely. I think this is it here. Yeah, four affairs petition. Um, she's calling on the Canadian government to withdraw completely from the UN, the United Nations, and all of its subsidiary organizations, including the World Health Organization. If we can scroll down to the bottom there, we can see what the signatures are at now. Yeah, 48,439 signatures, which is pretty massive, oh, I would yeah. say. Her yeah. other petition had almost 20,000. So she's doubled and then some her last petition, which shows that Canadians are really concerned about this. Um, Leslin Lewis, I think MP, Conservative MP in Oshawa, Colin Carey, he's had some order paper questions in as well with the Public Health Agency of Canada. So there are a couple MPs that are doing this work, but um, they don't respond to my media requests and I'll do now, reports. Why is that? Including Leslin Lewis? Including Leslin Lewis. I don't I've understand. reached out to her two or three times um, in the last couple of weeks to get her thoughts and to share a little bit more about her petition and what, you know, where she, what the political rumblings may be about the petition and um, if she's had any, you know, if she could share any foresight with us, what she thinks or what um, she can expect from the submission of that first petition. And now, of course, as we look toward the second one here. But yeah, they don't respond to me. You know, Colin Carey and uh, Leslin Lewis, I've reached out to them both on a few different occasions. I'll tell sadly. you, I, I was at a Leslin Lewis event. I, I think it must have been during the uh, 2021 election and uh, she couldn't have been... Uh, uh, more welcoming yep. and transparent, allowed me to ask questions. Uh, so I, I hope this isn't a matter of, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, some of Doug Ford's team has gone over to the federal conservative party and because uh, we're uh, persona non grata mm -hmm. uh, with the guy mm -hmm. that used to headline rebel live events unbelievable how the world changes so quickly yeah. uh, uh tamara but amt i hope you get a straight answer because that's the thing with question doubtful. period these let's days let's be real it's doubtful well that's the thing <laughs> I, I mean you'll see pierre Polyev. I'll, I'll give you an example this is a made-up example he'll say mr prime minister um what kind of car do you drive and and blackface will say, uh, my curtains are green. You know, yeah. th th that that's why, like, it's almost useless to watch Question Period these days. Nana Awake gives $10. Thank you. Why doesn't anyone mention Hamas shooting Palestinians trying to leave Gaza, which they again glorify to instill fear with live feed? Trudeau, Trudeau doing nothing is a show of support. Shame on the feds. You know, Nana Awake, that is an excellent point. I saw a video last weekend, uh, Tamara, and it was... Um, a Palestinian on a motorcycle and he, he was driving over, it was a road or a bridge, and there are numerous Palestinians, they're corpses, they're dead, most of them shot in the head, blood. He's, as he's talking about what he's seeing, uh, he is uh, tearing up, he's starting to cry. And 
That was an IDF. That wasn't collateral damage. Those were Hamas terrorists shooting their own people for trying to get out of Dodge because they know the benefit of human shields. They want Palestinian kids and babies to be killed uh, in uh, via collateral damage because they call it the CNN moment, uh, where the grieving mother or father or grandparent is holding the tot and going, look, he's dead. Mm -hmm. uh, and the CNN camera zooms in. And again, it goes to their narrative of, you know, the Zionist genocide unfolding. Uh, but you know what? Thank you for making that point. We should mention that more often. Mm -hmm. And Nana Wake gives another $5, says WEF, which is the World Economic Forum, said people aren't listening to COVID warnings and climate is too confusing, so we will work on water. That's a fear everyone will understand. Hmm. I'm not quite sure, not um, quite sure what you either. mean by that. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you my um, example of when climate and COVID, COVID converged. It was early in the pandemic. And I think I might have mentioned this anecdote uh, on air before, Tamara, but I was driving south on Young Street. I was just north of Finch. And I would have pulled over and interviewed this guy, but I was already late for something. So I'm at the light and I'm looking over. He's at, in a bus shelter. He's got the face diaper on. But get a load of this, Tamara. He has put a slit <laughs> in the diaper so he can smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and I'm thinking, here's a guy apparently so concerned about being outdoors and getting infected by a virus, yet is using a product that is guaranteed almost to uh, end your life prematurely uh, if you give it regular use, AKA uh, nicotine and tobacco. Uh, so um, yeah, I, it was uh, absolutely spectacular. Um, you know, again, climate, COVID, getting together, making uh, something right out of a clown world. Out of an authoritarian dictatorship. <laughs> Orwellian novel. All right. Well, with that, I think that's the last of the Super Chats. And um, we're about half an hour past the hour. So wow. we'll uh, say sayonara and uh, see everybody back here same time and place tomorrow. Yes, I believe I am here. I want to thank uh, Olivia behind the boards, of course, everybody that tuned in, especially those who made a donation. Greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. And you, Tamara Ugolini, you know, uh, when you originally came in all the way from Coburg, it was so great. And now you're doing it more more often, you know, to quote the famous Jacqueline Suzanne novel, once is not enough. So thank you for making that commute. Folks, we'll see you back here tomorrow at one o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, as always, stay safe and stay sane. Before I begin, I want to reiterate my full and unequivocal condemnation of the terrorist attacks targeting Jewish Canadians, particularly in Montreal shootings at Jewish institutions, schools, synagogues, and other sites are meant to terrorize our wonderful Jewish people. Conservatives stand in full solidarity with the Jewish community as it faces these attacks. We call on all levels of government to team up and protect the community against this terrorism and this hatred. And we pledge our full cooperation to, to help keep the Jewish community and all communities safe.